everyone, Terry Welbrock here. Just wanted to take a minute to talk to you about the exciting news that my fourth audiobook has been released and is now out there in the world of Audible. You can go to Amazon and look up Terry Welbrock Narrator or uh, The Best Bedtime Stories for Stressed Out Adults, Book Two. And the other three books are The Energy Medicine Solution, The Wellness Woman, and The Best Bedtime Stories for Stressed Out Adults, book one. So there you go. All right, well, go check it out. I do have some download codes available if you are interested in any of those books. I've given away all of the codes for the Energy Medicine Solution in the United States. I still have 25 codes for the UK. They gave me codes for the United States and the UK. Um, but I have codes for the other three books. So if you're interested, reach out to me um, at info at terrywellbrock.com. That's my email, info at terrywellbrock.com. And just say, hey, I'd love to have a code. And I will uh, send you one, first come, first serve. All right, thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome everybody to the Healing Place podcast. I'm your host, Terry Wellbrock, and so very thrilled to have with me today, Becca Ferguson. And she is a therapist, survivor, Cat mom, wife, and real life human. I love that. I told her when just before we hit record, went to her website, and uh, what a great description of your roles in, in life. So, welcome, Becca. Well, thank you so much. And I appreciate that. Yeah. Well, well, and now my my washer's going to decide to spin. I just asked before, can you hear my washer spinning? <laughs> okay. So the whole room starts to I vibrate. I can't even hear it. So it's totally <laughs> fine. Your camera isn't shaking. Oh, All is good. We're, we're, we're in a good place right now. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So yeah. So one of the things that I had seen, we met through Podmatch, which is such a great platform. I love Alex and uh, the work he's doing there to connect us all. Um and so the real the real human part of, of your description. So talk to us a little bit about that and what that means, I guess, from a therapy perspective and how you connect with, with the people yeah. that you guide. So my story, as far as becoming a therapist, is not a traditional story. Um, I actually didn't know that mental health existed until I went to college. Um, I didn't pursue a bachelor's degree in psychology or anything of that nature because I didn't know that any of that existed. Um, I grew up in a very conservative Christian home and because in, in South Arkansas as well. So um, we're like the belt buckle of the Bible belt <laughs> of the United States. Um, South Arkansas is in the town that I grew up in, there's 36 churches and less than 10,000 people in the city. So if you weren't going to church, then you, I mean, we're one of the outcasts in the town. So um that was a big part of how I was raised, um, was going to church, being a part of that organization. And when I went to college, um, I went to college in Clarksville, which is about a three hour drive away from where I was raised. And it was kind of that place for me to find my own autonomy. Um, I had never gotten the option to have autonomy, until I went to college because everything was either what mom and dad wanted or what the church wanted. And so, um, I 
I experienced this lack of growth basically for like my whole entire childhood and teenage years. And so when I went to college at that point in time, um, looking back now, I can say I was struggling with anxiety, depression, and eating disorder. And um, I went to therapy uh, first time that I had ever experienced it. And the therapist was an okay therapist. I know we know that there's bad therapists and good therapists and we get the opportunity to go therapist shopping. If you're listening and you don't know that you're allowed to go therapist shopping, you're allowed to go therapist shopping. And, um, but he was all the college had. And so I, um, talked with him a couple times. We worked through some things, but we weren't really getting anywhere type kind of stuff. Um, I found actually more solace in the school nurse. And so I kind of talked with her a little bit more than I talked with the therapist. But I noticed that talking things out was really helpful to me. Um, unfortunately, after my freshman year, the college ended up getting rid of the counselor that was on staff. And they decided that it was in the best interest for school um, and the students to send the students to a counseling office that was in town. However, in order to get paid for by the school, you had to tell one of your peers, the resident assistants um, that were on staff, what was going on with you in oh. order to get paid to go to therapy or like to have the school pay for your therapy. My parents didn't have any coverage on their insurance for mental health. And so I just balled it up all inside, didn't talk about it, didn't work through it, um, dated a really horrible human being, um, and just kind of, you know, dove into that relationship, trying to find some sense of meaning. And um, after I graduated, my degree is in radio, television, video, and strategic communication. And after I graduated, it was this... Um, I went back home for a little bit, tried to find a, like a job in the degree that I had, but you have to graduate with five years of experience in order to work in any sort of broadcasting. And so I was just like, I stuck. So my only option was to become a youth minister um, because that was what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And in working as a youth minister, there was these kids that were really struggling. Oh my gosh, really, really struggling with real life issues. And I wasn't allowed to talk to them about it. I wasn't allowed to talk to them about drugs and sex and all this kind of stuff, because that's not what the church believed. We weren't allowed to say safe sex. We were just saying abstinence until marriage. We weren't allowed to say um, let's talk about sex education. So you're whatever it's porn is bad. This is bad. Everything's bad. And then shame, shame, shame. Women have to have control over the men. And, you know, when it comes to their bodies and all this kind of stuff, they can't reveal blah, 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 blah. And I was like, I just don't believe this. <laughs> I really don't. And, um, I kind of tried to fight back a little bit. And so in the process of me doing that, and the church that I was working for decided that I was unstable and that they, they put me on a mental health leave and, um, they encouraged me to go see a therapist. I saw a therapist. He was incredible and he encouraged me to become a therapist. And so 
um, in the, in that process of discerning whether or not I wanted to be a therapist and going through that journey, I had a lot of different experiences in my internships and, and whatnot, but in going through that journey, I just was like, and these people need someone to talk to that gets it. And so I utilize appropriate self-disclosure when I'm working with clients. So that way they know that they're not just talking to a brick wall. Um, and I'm helping them process things that I'm using real life examples. I'm like, yeah, I know I've been in a shitty relationship similar to that. Like I can help you like, let's work through it. And good percentage of the time they're like, okay, well, Becca can do it. I can do it. And I'm like, no, Becca is still doing it. Like Becca is still actively choosing to do it. So for you, it's like, it's this journey that we continue to go on and we continue to build up resilience. So that way we can work towards our, our end goal. So that's kind of, um, where my real life human being stuff comes into. I talk about my struggles. I talk about the things that I've dealt with and I try to, I do that in order to kind of let go of some of the shame that and guilt that I was raised to, um, believe about myself. So that way I can relate more to my clients. Yes. Well, one of the things that really struck out, thank you for sharing your story, but uh, really stood out to me was the uh, appropriate self-disclosure because gosh, that's where soul connections happen, right? That's yeah. where, uh, by putting our truths out there, by sharing those, th- even the little, even a little bit of it, uh, people can feel not so alone. Um, and, and really that's where, yeah, that, that trust comes along that trust yeah. connection. So yeah, what a gift you're offering to, to your clients. Well, thank you. I, I found that it's been really helpful. I used to be you know, therapists aren't taught to use self-disclosure. We're taught to be a vessel, which some therapists believe very strongly that self-disclosure is bad for the therapeutic relationship. Um, I've just seen it work so well. And so it's not like I'm over here telling my clients my deepest, darkest secrets. You know, I'm using examples of my healing journey, um, my struggles with mental health and not knowing that it was mental health, uh, you know, growing up having anxiety attacks and not knowing that they were anxiety attacks until I went to college. Like that was difficult. I was put on a heart monitor, um, because I had a rapid heart rate and they were trying to figure it out. I was put on acid reflux medicine because my stomach hurt all the time. And I'm like, this is anxiety. Like, let's just go ahead and throw it out there. I can see that so easily now, but the thing is like, there's, teenagers and young adults out there that still don't know that that's anxiety. And then they're just taught to shove those feelings in a box and get over it. And that's just not possible. Um, You can't get over something. You got to get through it. And in order to get through it, you got to know what you're getting through in the first place. That's why therapy is so critical (laughs) Um, because you have someone that's guiding you and helping you understand what you're getting through in the first place. Oh yeah. I remember now, this was, gosh, dating myself back in the 80s when my first panic attack hit. Um, it was a culmination of a lot of trauma that ended in two horrific bank robberies that I was involved in that were three months apart. And so I was sitting at my desk at the bank and uh, had a, just a overwhelming, severe panic attack just hit me and ended up going to an ER via um, an ambulance and 
just remember the the staff at the time telling me um, it was all in your head and um, just, you know, take some aspirin or take whatever and just rest. And because uh, I like my head was pounding, like, you know, boom, boom, and yeah. heart racing and palm sweating. And no one said the words, you know, panic attack or anxiety attack or. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, just thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm broken. Something's wrong with me. You know, I've had similar experiences. And when I started having anxiety and panic attacks and everything my freshman year of college, one of the struggles about being a woman (laughs) when you're like trying to understand your body, you're gaining your own sense of autonomy, and you're also like trying to figure out your mental health as well. There was three times I went to the ER and um during those three times they flu tested me they strep tested me and i told them i'm cramping and i never cramp this bad and they're like oh you probably got some flu or strep or headache or something that was a bad period or whatever it is and after the third time i went to the er i was like i am not leaving until you tell me what's going on And sometimes they would say it was anxiety, you know, or write it off like that. And I had a seven inch ovarian cyst that had destroyed one of my ovaries and had like, and needed to be removed. And the pain was so bad that it was making me sick. But then after I got diagnosed with anxiety, they're like, oh, it's just anxiety. And I was like, Something is wrong with my body. And so I teach my clients to advocate for themselves and their physical pain and their mental pain and to really be vocal about what it is that they need because it's hard to be listened to. And I think that's maybe a hesitation that some people have about going to therapy because they're like, if I get a diagnosis that says I'm anxious or I'm depressed or something is wrong with me mentally, then people will never take me seriously physically. And it's like, I'm a fully ish (laughs) functioning human being, um, that has PTSD. I, I, I have PTSD. I've gone through, um, some serious traumas in my life. And so, yeah, there's times where I've gone to the ER for things that I'm sure were partially anxiety induced, but you have anxiety when you're in pain, you know? And so it's like you, I teach my clients to work through some of those things and learn how to advocate for themselves. And that's ultimately how we're growing our autonomy and governing our own body. We're choosing um, the people that we allow to be a part of our life. Oh, Gosh, I I give you a big giant hug for that, because I tell you what, being able to have a voice Mm -hmm. and use that voice Mm -hmm. and say, no, I I had it happen even recently in the last couple of years. I was very, very, I became very sick very quickly Mm -hmm. with things just went haywire in my body and ended up sitting across from an extremely young doctor um, thinking, oh, this person you know, just came out of med school. And so they, they, they're going to be on board with the latest and greatest. And as tears were welled in my eyes talking about this, the very first words out of her mouth were, oh, well, the first thing we're going to do is get you on some anti-anxiety medication. Oh my gosh. And I 
literally because of who I am now held up my hand and said, you need to stop right there. Yeah. You have no idea of my history. You don't know what I've been through, what I fought through. I am here visibly upset because it's a natural human emotion to be upset about this situation and what's going on with my body. We need to run some labs and see what's going on. Well, it turned out I had mycotoxin poisoning and it had affected my entire system and thrown everything off. So yes, so being being your own advocate respectfully um, yeah. and saying no. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, that's not it's it. Hard. <laughs> and it's hard to say no, especially when you've been taught your whole entire life to say yes. Right. And you know, that was one of the things, it, part of a part of my trauma comes from years and years of abuse from my youth minister. And um, experiencing that, I felt guilt for the longest time for even saying that I was abused. I mean, hell, even just last week, I'm laying in bed with my husband, thinking, spiraling about something. And then I was like, was I abused by my youth minister or am I making this up? And he was like, no, you were. And I was like, well, when I, you've been told your whole entire life that you're a drama queen because you have anxiety, then it really messes with your head. And that was one of the things I can actually remember my mom buying me a shirt that's a drama queen on it. And it's like having that label of like being this dramatic human being when it's like, I'm trying to express something that isn't being heard. And it's, it's so difficult to do that with people that aren't willing to listen. So we have to surround ourselves with people that are willing to listen and are willing to hear what your story is and are willing to take a step back and, you know, be with you in that moment. And I'm grateful that my husband is one of those people. Um, he is an incredible human being. And he actually was the one that showed me um, that what I was going through was abuse just by his actions and how well he treated me. I was like, hell's bells. I didn't know that a man was supposed to treat you this way, you know? Um, so it's, it takes a lot, but it's, it's a good thing. Um, wow. to be able to to work through and find that yeah that's incredibly empowering and thank you for teaching me that I never it just I love these aha moments where yeah. to step back and say oh the the behavior where someone is then given that label of a drama queen or someone who's a loud talker like like loud talkers get on my nerves <laughs> when I'm in a restaurant and I can hear the man eight tables over yep. talking real like I'm why do the rest of us want to know about you know, the baseball team but now I understand that was probably someone who wasn't heard or yeah. you're right had something they were trying desperately to get out mm-hmm. yeah it it was one of those things like I can, when I start to get really anxious, my husband and I, we got into an argument the other night um, or like a month or so ago, we're sitting on the couch. And one of the things that my husband and I struggle with on the daily, almost at least every week is picking movies to watch because we do not have anything in common. He likes horror and fantasy and all that kind of stuff. And I like romantic comedies, cop shows, 
Like I, you know, we're completely polar opposites when it comes to that. So it'll take us like three hours to find a movie to watch. And if we don't give ourselves like a two day notice and like send each other IMDb stuff, then like we're, we're just SOL. We're not going to find anything. And so um, we got into this argument a couple weeks ago when we were trying to find a movie to watch and I suggested something and then I was trying to work it out. You know, like I was like, why is it making me so upset that he doesn't want to watch this one thing that I know that he'll like? I'm like, it feels like he doesn't trust me. So I'm working that out out loud. And then he says (laughs) um, to me, he was like, you need to calm down. And I was like, um, sir, <laughs> I am calm. And he was like, you really, you really need to calm down. And I was like, I'm fine right now. And he was like, you're obviously not fine because you're raising your voice. And I'm like, I'm trying to get you to hear what I'm saying. I'm fine. I'm just trying to work through this. And he was like, I'm not going to talk to you until you calm down. And I was like, oh my God, you are going to start a fight. Like this is about to go. We're going to, we're going to start a fight. And um, it ended up developing into a, like, you need to calm down. And he left the space and I was like, I'm having a panic attack right now (laughs) because you're not hearing that I am calm. And I was like, this, this is difficult. And you know, and working through that with my therapist, one of the things is like, you had a panic attack because you were trying to say that you were calm and he wasn't listening. And then you became not calm because he wasn't listening to you when you were saying you were calm. And I was like, he always does. And she's like, so what was going on with him that day? And I was like, yeah, I probably should have checked in on that, shouldn't I? And she was like, yeah. Mm -hmm. you definitely should have and I was like man this stuff is so easy to teach my clients but when I go home I'm like forget everything that I've taught my clients all day I'm just gonna screw everything up right and then you get these negative distortions of like this is how I'm always gonna be I'm gonna help other people but I don't have the tools to help myself and sometimes it can be so difficult and when we're naturally empathetic helpers um, it's hard to find our own healing because we don't feel like we're deserving of it. We don't feel like we're deserving of processing it and things of that nature. And that took, you know, time for us afterwards where I was like, if I tell you that I'm calm, believe me, <laughs> you know, um, I'm just trying to work through stuff and I'm trying to talk out loud. And he was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, if, if you tell me you're calm, then I'll believe it next time. And I was like, okay, but next time, really seriously believe it okay because I'm I'm struggling over here so a lot of it is about learning ways to communicate the problems that you're working through and and how to how to function in your day-to-day life oh yeah what a great example of that and yes our voice may come out louder because we are we're trying to be heard and get our message but we're we're, we're calm it's just hey hear me yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's so, it's so difficult. I, like I can remember so many times from when I was younger where, um, I would yell and just get frustrated. Cause I'm like, people aren't listening to what I have to say. And, um, and then I, you get this weird twinge, like in your stomach where you're like, I have to get this person to listen to what I have to say, because if 
if they don't, then bad things are going to happen. And that comes from your natural empathy, right? And so it takes time, it takes effort, but you can heal through it. You just have to understand what your triggers are and how to move forward with it. Wonderful. Well, thank you for that. Before I we move on, I just have to tell you, so our family, same sort of deal where it's, it's, everybody has all these eclectic movie tastes, right? And um, so we've come up with the, with the most fun way and we all love it and we all do it. Each of us picks three movies and then we shuffle them. One person shuffles them all behind the back. Yeah. And then each person picks a number and we slowly eliminate movies. And it's fun because we're like, oh, Star Wars is out. Oh, you know. (laughs) And so and then we get down to the final two in our hands. And then, you know, whoever has been determined, that's going to be the one to pick. All right. Which one are we going to watch? And then, you know, and it just becomes fun that way, because then it's kind of like down to fate kind of deal, but it's been, it's been really awesome because then we do get to watch other movies that we wouldn't necessarily pick, but because fate decided it. (laughs) Yes. Oh, we, we tried that one time with um, putting movies on sticky notes and putting it in a cup and then drawing out of the cup. And I was like, I think we're at this point where we're now just really petty towards each other about it. (laughs) And we just pick movies that we know the other person is going to hate because like, we really want to watch it ourselves, but we don't want to watch it by ourselves. And so I was like, if I put more movies in the cup than he does, then, you know, we'll be able to watch one of my movies. Nope. The very first movie that I pulled out of the cup was a horror movie. And um, it was... It was interesting, but you know, I have a thing about watching people get stabbed yeah. in the face. I just I can't, can't do, do it. it. So I'm like, if we watch one of your movies, I have full reservations to be able to put a blanket over my head for yes. like 99.9% of the movie. Um, and you know, is we've, we've figured out like our category is true crime. Like that's where we can really like, we can do true crime. That's a, that's a good that's a good place a solid place where we can live or comedies we love the office and so we always go back and watch the office whenever we can oh i love it my daughter she's way into legos and um her boyfriend had given her the office yeah lego collection i have that yeah yeah Mm -hmm. I have like every single like well not every single I need more office memorabilia but I built my office is called the therapy office and it's all branded with office memorabilia and so I have Dwight and Michael Scott and Pam and Jim quotes all over my office and my sign and everything looks like the logo of the office um and I have office memorabilia, puzzles, Legos, all that kind of stuff all over, um, all over the place. So yeah, oh. it's a, it's a big part of, um, but that show is a big part of actually with the tattoo that I have right here on my chest is a matching tattoo that I have with my husband. And it comes from the quote where Michael is trying to tell Holly that they're soulmates, but he ends up saying soup snakes. And so we, we got snakes, um, and soup for our, for our love tattoo. So if they're watching video, then they know like you can be soup snakes and soulmates at the same time. (laughs) That is so fantastic. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm going to have my daughter listen to this episode because just for that, she'll, she will uh, connect with you. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. I love it. 
<laughs> oh my gosh. Well, that's so cool. So yeah. I wanted to give you the opportunity certainly to talk about anything that uh, you feel moved to talk about. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I do as a therapist, I can only practice therapy inside of the state of Arkansas. So I decided to expand um, over this past year and I started coaching and do mental health coaching. And what, that allows me to diversify, you know, a lot of stuff. My niche, the people that I work well with are female helpers. And um, I I love to help women work through the stigmas that our world has. Um, when Roe v. Wade was overturned last year, um, that was one of the things where it's like I had all these women coming to my office. They're like, we can't be heard anymore. Like, this is the end. It's going backwards. And so I heard that and I educated myself and understanding about how important women empowerment is. And so a lot of the stuff that I offer is geared towards women. Um, it's on my website. You can find um, a lot of different a lot of different resources. I have online courses. Um, I have one on the window of tolerance, which is about fight, flight, freeze response. Another one, which is on the wise mind, which is a DBT skill, dialectical behavioral therapy. It teaches you about the difference between your emotional brain and your reasonable brain. I have another one. Um, it's about smart goals, which is, um, traditionally used for weight loss, but I use it in this course for emotional regulation and then my favorite one is self-care versus self-comfort. That's my absolute favorite course. And um, each of these courses, they have like a 30-page workbook and it has a 30-minute video, which is full of gifts and animations and all sorts of fun things. Um, so they can definitely go on there. The courses are only $27. And so you... My goal is to have ease of access to mental health care. So if you're listening to this and you're trying to get your therapy from this podcast because you're scared to go to therapy, um, you can go on my website and you can look at these online courses and you can get another perspective um, from, you know, my online courses as well and give you a little bit of an idea of what to expect. And then if um, you're listening to this and you're like, man, I'm really angry and I need to work through some of those emotions. I also have a fully online anger management course as well. And that um, course can be used for court purposes. And so if you know of anybody that needs, that's been sent to court because they got too angry, then they can also go onto my website and do that too. Um, I'm starting different coaching programs as well for, um, women and self-esteem and I'll be doing one on religious trauma, um, coming up in the next, uh, year or so. And so I have a lot of stuff that's going on and I'm, I'm excited to continue to release it and let people know what's going on so they can follow me on social. I'm on every single social as at Becca Ferguson, LPC. I'm also on, um, my website is beccafergusonlpc.com. And so you can find a lot of um, different resources on my website. Wonderful. As a little quick little PS, <clears throat> one of the things that I had seen when reviewing um, your profile on Podmatch was, what if you have different political uh, and religious beliefs than mm -hmm. your clients? Like me, I'm adamantly pro-life, but yeah. working with people who are 
uh, pro-choice and so many of my dear, dear friends are, and we have wonderful conversations about our different philosophies. And I love when folks can come together and talk open-heartedly and uh, just embrace one another's viewpoints. But so, so how do like, you handle if someone's coming to you and um, they're they're just from such a polar opposite yeah. point of view from you. So it's not my job to change anybody's mind, first of all, um, and it's not my it's not my job to make people believe what I believe. Um, I was like I said, I was raised in a very conservative Christian place, and so that was something that I believed for a really long time was the ideas of pro-life. And the more that I grew into understanding my own body and my own autonomy, um, when I had my ovary removed from that surgery, um, I was told I'm going to go through menopause early. It's going to be extremely difficult for me to get pregnant. And if I do get pregnant, then, um, it's going to likely result in miscarriages and it's also, I can have stillbirths and I can have a lot of complications as far as my own body. And that was something that I was like, I need to think about other people that are around me as well. And I need to think about my body and my life and the, what I serve for my clients and what I serve for other people, um, especially with my family. And so it was my clients were the ones that helped me see perspective. I growing or working in Arkansas, I have a lot of conservative clients. Um, and so there's a lot of times where I'm like, let's just look at perspective here. And I help clients understand perspective. I've had clients that have come to me where they're children come out of the closet and they're like, I don't believe in this. And I'm like, but do you believe in your kid? And so a lot of it is not necessarily about beliefs, but it's about being understanding human perspective. And so I work really hard to be the advocate for, for women and um, for people that don't have a voice and understanding the struggles that I'm going to have with my own body. That was something that I was like, I don't want my husband to have to make a really awful choice or have to raise a child on their own because I can't get the health care that I need um, because a child's life is more important than mine. And so that was something that I had to do a lot of discernment for my own and understand all points. And so I worked through that, but it's never my place to tell a client what to believe. And I think that even when I do have clients with very um, different views than me that come into my office, they know who they're talking to um, and they know, you know, my opinions, but it's not, I'm not over here trying to convert them. I'm just trying to challenge to help them see different perspectives. I don't want you to change your beliefs, but I want you to understand that there's different perspectives and that everyone is entitled to their opinion. And I respect that with other people. And I just ask that, you know, they respect that with me too. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing your insights on that because yeah, uh, yeah, that's something we've never touched upon here on the show. So thank yeah, you. Of course. All right. Well, it's just been so enlightening. I know I've learned a lot, and uh, thank you for sharing um, your beautiful work. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having me on the show. And if anybody ever wants to reach out, like I said, it's Becca Ferguson LPC dot com, and I hope to connect with you guys.
Awesome. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us today on the Healing Place podcast. And remember until next time, be gentle with yourself. Thanks. Bye-bye. Hey everybody, Terry Welbrock again. Just wanted to thank you for listening to the episode today and remind you to visit my website as well, terrywellbrock.com. You can sign up for my monthly Hope for Healing newsletter, which is also jam-packed with information and strategies and blog pieces and guest blog pieces and links to shows. Thanks for, again, being here and being a part of this healing space. I very much appreciate you. All right. Bye-bye.